Hi, this is Lisa Henderson with Daring Parenting. I have a guest today whom we're going to call Troy to protect his anonymity. And he is a young man who's a recovering alcoholic and addict since 2014. And he's going to talk to us as parents about what are the things we need to look for? What consequences work? What doesn't work? Should you drug test? Should you snoop in your kids' rooms? All these things we're going to ask him. So, Troy, let's go back to when you were a child, let's say under 12 years old. What was your least favorite punishment? Either having to write things over and over again. Oh, yeah, right, writing. Just writing in general. Writing an essay. That was bad. So summer reading, when you get done with school, like after every year, they give you like two to four books to read. And then you come back at school and then you have tests and such over them. And I said that I did it, and I happened to have not done it. And then I had to write a two-page essay at the tender age of seven about why I shouldn't lie. And that's very difficult when you're seven years old to write two pages of anything. <laughs> now, did you have chores around the house that you had to do as you were growing up? When I think of the idea of chores, it's like an optional thing as a kid. It's like a kid thing you have to do as a kid. Whereas, like, these were really never presented as chores. These were household duties and obligations of, like, do the dishes, um, clean up after yourself, make your own bed, fold the laundry, deliver the laundry. Um, and then when it got to the point of being old enough, do your own laundry. Uh, like, if you, if you need it done quicker, do your own laundry. And, I don't know, clean up the kitchen after cooking was done. I know that's more so what it was, was household obligations instead of chores. Like, people learn that in college, because they have to. Like, I learned that at 12, and then just continued it. Did your friends have to do that sort of thing? No, they didn't even know how to make their own bed. At 8 years old or 9 years old, I had friends that didn't know how to make their own bed. I mean, for the most part, no more friends didn't have to do that kind of thing. I mean, it was a more so, I guess, accurate introduction and representation into what responsibility and adulthood looks like. So would you say your parents were too strict? I think it was a really fine line that was walked, but I don't think they're too strict. All right, let's talk about when you were older and you got in trouble. What was one of your worst consequences? After almost getting arrested and almost getting expelled from school to pick up pine cones, I was given a bucket, and I don't think any gloves, (laughs) to go pick up hundreds of pine cones and that was just the introduction to getting in trouble (laughs) tell me did anything get taken away from you everything i mean phone phone laptop facebook internet friends uh ability to go see people license future driving privileges um all forms pretty much all forms of freedom (laughs) for the most part unless unless it included going to school studying and going to help out the local church i couldn't do anything for six to eight weeks. And did that make an impression on you? Yeah, it was, (laughs) I really don't want to get in trouble after that. And then it was lasting consequences too of I couldn't get my license for an additional six months past the time that I could have gotten it. I don't know. I just, I had continuous lasting consequences and it wasn't like trust was handed back. I didn't get grounded for six weeks and then I got trusted again. Like it was a two year process of gaining trust. I interviewed a young man not too long ago who said he thought that parents ought to try to replicate what the judicial legal system was. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good imitation of 
you go to court, you get tried, you go to jail for two months, you come out, then you're on probation, then you've got, you know, probation where you have to report, and then you get to a point that you've been on that probation long enough that you have non-reporting probation, but it's like one big, uh, or even really one slip up, big or small, you're back in the can. For me, the the consequences were very well aligned with that sort of uh, format. Now, do you ever see kids that are out of control that you wish had boundaries like you had when you were a kid? Yes, I mean, I think it helped them a lot. I mean, even having friends that weren't out of control, they're still inept in multiple ways when it comes to adulthood. They have a very, very skewed perception of reality and kind of how the world works and people behave and the definition and treatment of, of money and having to operate and work within a society that they don't quite understand because it's there it wasn't as much as their parents showed them what to do it was more so they showed them it was like they like they sat them down for a tv show that's life and like okay this is what it looks like this is what you'll get and i think a lot of people were unprepared for do you wish you'd gotten more information about money and finances when you were growing up yes i do i can't affirmatively say i would have actually adhered by it but what would you have liked to learn exactly about money earlier? I guess the purpose behind saving money and how to do it. Because in my mind, saving money had to start with like $100. And it's like, well, I never have just $100 hanging out that I'm just willing to forget that it exists. And so that, that kind of gave me reason and excuse to not save and stunted my growth there financially. And then once I realized that, I could start with saving $3. And then the next week, if I have $6.72, I can save that. And eventually it, it compounds into a much bigger number over time. So is saving money fun for you now? I wouldn't say fun, but relieving that it's like, okay, well, damn it, it looks like I only have $12 between these you know, two checks. It's like, but I've got close to 500 put away. So this isn't a big deal. I'm fine. I don't, if, I, if it comes down to it, I'll be okay. And that's very relieving. Or if it comes time for vacation or something, or holiday, having money there. Were you ever spanked as a child? And do you believe in spanking? No, I think it's a cop-out because it's not how anything works. There's nothing that you make a mistake, big or small. You experience a physical pain that isn't long-lasting at all. The most you get some sort of emotional humiliation from it if it's you know in front of people, whatever it is. And then it's done. Nothing works like that. That's not a consequence. That's a reaction. I don't think good parenting lies in pure reaction. <laughs> I think that's. I think that takes no brain power. I think that's just diet parenting. Were your parents creative with their consequences? Very much so. I would have rather been spanked. It would have helped me, but I would have rather been spanked. It would have been far easier. So when you think about having children, what would you do the same as your parents did, and what would you do differently? Hmm. A lot of it is a, uh, a, I mean, is a person by person basis. I mean, I'm unfortunately the type that I have to go through more pain than the average person to learn a lesson. I mean, I think for some, I think for some people, the amount of punishment I'd given be excessive, but I think for some people, it wouldn't be enough. So, I mean, it's hard for me to say what I would change and what I would keep the same because I do believe it's all. I mean, when it comes to my sister, I don't think, I don't think she's made for the kind of punishments I received. I don't think she could emotionally handle that. Unfortunately, I am. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it, it purely is. 
So you would take it child by child rather than just a blanket answer to that. Correct. I mean, I've got one very good friend that his dad gave him an insane amount of freedom, gave him plenty of money, and he really had no consequences for his actions. And I mean, he would stay out late, but just he just didn't have a desire to screw up his life. There, there was nothing there that there was any level of compulsion that said, you know, go get in trouble or do anything like that or be reckless. Now, another friend that his parents gave him plenty of money and they didn't also didn't give him a ton of supervision. And he's been battling heroin addiction since he was 16 years old. So, I mean, there's two, there, there, there's no method that's going to work the same on two completely different people. Okay. Now you've brought this up about heroin addiction. I want to talk about drugs. And first of all, were you drug tested as a young person? I mean, it was more so, it was a threat that I knew would be followed through with if given reasonable suspicion. Like, I wasn't drug tested on a frequent basis, but I knew that if there was suspicion, I would be. And did that deter you at all? Yes, it did. That, uh, that actually, that really did, how I think about it. Would you recommend that parents start drug testing their kids before they get old enough to maybe even start experimenting? You know, the thing is, though, I can't say that's person by person because I don't believe that it's particularly 100% damaging to a child if they go and smoke weed once every two months with a safe group of people. If they go, they go do bong rips in their friend's basement while the parents are out of town. I don't believe it's particularly damaging to the kid don't eat too many Oreos. Like, I, I don't know. There's, I, I don't think that's a per, that's that bad of a thing. And then you drug test them, you put them in a lot of trouble, and it's just like, well, is that necessary? Is that reasonable? Is that, what is it? Because I, I think, to me, a lot of, I mean, granted, and thankfully, I'm not a parent, but it seems like what a lot of parenting comes down to is preparation for the world. Once, once the parents let go of their kids and let them wander and figure out some things on their own, to me, it seems like parenting is the preparation for that, you know, the, the longer, hopefully longer lasting journey that is the rest of our life. And I mean, I don't see, I don't view life as a thing that's set up where it's like, well, someone's going to be there drug testing all the time. And it's kind of, to me, it, it comes off as the effect of the parents that are super strict. And then the kid gets out of the house and they go buck wild and start doing everything just because now they have the freedom. Oh my God. So it's not good to contain them too much because then they want to rebel. Correct. I mean, well, granted, too, I still believe it's on the the kid by kid basis. I think there's some kids that, I mean, take a look at people who've been raised in the church from Mormons to devout Catholics to Jehovah's Witnesses. That's like, okay, well, this is this is the world. This is what's bad in it. You don't associate or do it. And then they're, you know, you meet them and they're 48 years old and they haven't done anything that crazy in their life ever. They've never even been drunk before. And they got scared the first time they could have had sex before marriage. And then there's a whole breed of people out there that are terrified of the world. And I think that there's there's a lot of room for parents to make their kids. I think all kids make their parents. Oh, no, no. Well, maybe all kids make their parents terrified of the world. But all parents make their kids terrified of some piece of existence and some piece of the world inadvertently. Funnily enough, I wasn't taught much about money, but I was terrified of not having it and so i mean i definitely definitely pushed me to do some things and act some ways in order to not give in to that fear like i thought it was going to get me it's it's, parenting seems awfully dicey and (laughs) 
and just the fact that, you know, overbearing parents can absolutely ruin a child as just as much that, you know, parents that don't put the right amount of consequences in ruin a child too. Do you think parents need to start talking to their kids about drugs and alcohol young, like explaining about it? What's there to explain to a seven-year-old about drugs or alcohol? I mean, how do you explain that to them? So when do you think is an appropriate age to talk about experimentation with alcohol and drugs? I mean, post-childhood kids are basically drug addicts until they're, until they're preteens. Because all they want to do is things that feel good, and they freak out if they can't get it. So I don't, see a, I don't think it's healthy for a child to tell them about, to try to explain or normalize things like alcohol or marijuana to them that it's like oh well this is the thing that people do and then it makes them feel good but it's also bad then all a kid hears like it makes them feel good feel good <laughs> and I don't know it, it's it's hard to say with any sort of uh definitive answer behind it because I don't know exactly where where kids are nowadays when it comes to the availability of drugs around them I mean I know when I was 13 nobody in my friend group I, I had one friend I think I had one friend that had, she had smoked weed before, but she hung out with older people. She'd hung out with like 15 year olds and they were into it. And then when I was 14, 15, that's when it started becoming around. But I mean, it's also difficult too, because you take a 13 year old that now they're a teenager. And there's also been this very, I think, damaging idea of what being a teenager is that is handed out and portrayed so it's like you become 13 and now you're a teenager and now it's like you have to act all these ways that also compound the fact that like you are feeling different things and you have hormones and your head is abnormally large and your body's still small I don't know I don't understand why we need to I think parents put their attention in the wrong places when it comes to drugs and alcohol because there's only so much you can tell a kid that they're going to care about it's going to make sense to them what do you tell a kid about most drugs or alcohol? Like it's bad. Why? It's bad. I think it's I think it'd be way more useful instead of like telling, "Oh yeah, you know, don't drink because your uncle Jim, he drank and drove and now he killed someone and now he's in prison." Ooh, or don't drink, you know, the old next-door neighbor Debbie, she drank herself to death. I'm like, "Ooh, okay." What would make an impact? I don't know. Maybe start telling kids about hangovers too cuz and people don't expect that. <laughs> I mean, get down to, you know, the 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 easy like the the lower thing the the immediately not desirable things. Something that pretty much everybody's going to go through the first time they drink. And I think it's more so instead of because fear doesn't work. I mean, it's one of the US we get the highest incarceration rate out of any country in the world because fear doesn't work. No people don't care, especially, you know, when you've got feeble young minds involved that's like well you can't do this and it's like well that's because i'm gonna do it i'm be fine and i think it's a matter of educate okay now that sounds really good educate 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 but what does that mean to you you've got sex education which unfortunately a lot of places still preach abstinence but that's beside the fact so sex education says okay so you're gonna end up having sex you should wear a condom these are the reasons why you should wear a condom prevent pregnancy and also prevent all these diseases from happening and by the way these are the long list of diseases this is how much they suck from disease to disease and this is what it looks like and this is what happens and that's education right there so kids walk away knowing oh i should wear a condom because i don't want to get this girl pregnant and i really don't want syphilis that doesn't sound fun at all but with drugs and alcohol, it's like, well, don't go get drunk. It's you're going to feel terrible. 
Like it doesn't it just doesn't really seem like there's a ton of education there. It's like, well, why? What's alcohol do? Why does it exist? What is this doing to me? What about parents drinking? Like if your parents drink and how much does that have an impact on what they tell you about drinking? Again, I think it's different person to person, but it normalizes it. So it's bizarre. So we live in the society that says, um, yes, drinking's normal. We go to dinner, we have a glass of wine, whatever, whatever. But whatever the hell you do, don't you dare drink. And we're like, what's that? What message does that send? I mean, that's also too out of underage drinking. You have all these parents that could basically may or may not have had the drinking lecture with their kid after their glass of wine. Or they had the lecture and then they went and had the beer with, you know, with their friends or whatever dads do. I think it's it doesn't give people a reason to listen. It doesn't make, there is no fear there. It's it's like, well, yeah, watch out for your Uncle Jim who went to prison because he killed someone in a car wreck because he was drunk. Okay, dad, good thing I saw you get drunk three months ago at your company party. You know, it's just like, where's, don't try to preach fear, but give only minute examples of it. So basically, set an example. Set an example. And also to accept the fact that, like, this is going to happen. There's really, I mean, unless you have one of those weird kids that just doesn't desire to <laughs> drink or do drugs at all at any point, it, just accept the fact that this is going to happen. When we come back, Troy is going to give parents some really great advice about what the warning signs are and when is it okay to snoop and where is it okay to snoop. 